break 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 you are now listening to breakthrough news You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on the 7th of May 2021. Very happy to be here closing out the week with you on the Punch-Out. Plenty for the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about political repression in the country of South Africa. We're going to be talking about how the state of South Carolina here in the United States is bringing back the firing squad. But before we get to either of those two critically important stories, we start with price gouging involving COVID-19 tests. I'm sure just about everyone listening to this has gotten multiple COVID tests at this point, or at least one. It may be the first bit of health care any of us has ever really gotten for free. As you know, the government mandated that COVID tests be offered to people for free, and the costs borne by insurance or the institution itself in certain cases, and funds were provided to many different health care providers to at least to some degree address this. Now, that doesn't mean that, of course, people aren't charging for it, just that you and I might not be paying for it. At least, it doesn't seem like we are. But testing has become a major revenue generator for hospitals and other providers, according to a new analysis of the data from Kaiser Health News. As KHN notes, quote, hospitals are charging up to $650 for a simple molecular COVID test that costs $50 or less to run. Charges by large health systems range from $20 to $1,419 per test. Some freestanding emergency rooms are charging more than $1,000 per test, end quote. They also note that, quote, lab companies have been booking record profits by charging $100 per test. The CFO of Quest Diagnostics said on a recent earning call, we are expecting to still do quite well in terms of reimbursement in the near future, end quote. Now, the $50 or less number breaks down somewhat like this. The World Health Organization did an analysis saying the cost of running a COVID test is about $17 to $21. Now, some other costs may be incurred, you know, the equipment, workers, and so on. But again, a Medicare analysis uh, noted that the test can be performed oftentimes for about $50 or less. And actual results, though, it seems do vary. KHN reports, quote, the listed charge for a basic PCR COVID test at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles is $480. New York Presbyterian Hospital is $440 as the gross charge as well as the cash price. And those amounts are far above the $159 national average for the diagnostic test. Optum Medical Center in Tattnall, Georgia, part of a chain of orthopedic practices and medical centers, collects $308 per COVID test. Yale New Haven Hospital collects $182 from one insurer and $173 from another. End quote. The reason why it varies so much is there's no price cap for what is charged. So providers can essentially just make up a price. And insurance companies, the main people paying for it, are required to pay. 
The providers know that since 99% of the time, literally 99% of the time, you and I don't pay a thing. That basically also, no one is going to complain about it either because since you're not paying, I mean, who cares about insurance companies, right? But there is in fact a cost to you. Insurance companies are and will increase premiums, meaning, meaning that in the end, the high billing practices for COVID tests, despite being billed as free, are increasing your healthcare cost on the back end. It's also a great example of the benefits of Medicare for All, for instance, universal health care. The Medicare reimbursement rate for tests, and to be fair, many providers do follow this, is $100. So imagine there is no private health care system. The overall cost of the 400 million tests done would obviously be massively reduced. Another example of how and why Medicare for All, despite being billed as very expensive, would lower the cost of health care overall. Either way, with plenty more COVID tests to be done in the coming months, for sure, you most certainly can blame the ridiculous private provision of health care in this country for why you may end up paying more this year than you did last year just to survive. <laughs> Yesterday, South Carolina authorized the use of a firing squad and the electric chair for executions. Today, interestingly enough, marks 10 years since the last execution in South Carolina. And those two things are, in fact, connected. South Carolina has only had lethal injection as legal method of execution during that time period, but has been unable to obtain the necessary drugs. South Carolina, like many states, has struggled to obtain the necessary drugs because almost all pharmaceutical companies now explicitly object to their use in executions as against the stated uses of the various drugs. And some states have turned to either illegal purchases of drugs from overseas oftentimes or shady compounding pharmacies right here in the United States that make homemade concoctions that are supposed to approximate the drugs they can't buy on the open market. However, this practice has become less frequent after a range of botched executions around the country involving the drug midazolam, described as the, quote, chemical equivalent of burning at the stake, and also whose results are said to uh, have a sensation that feels like drowning as people are being killed. While a number of these executions have, in fact, gone forward, as I said, there was a spate of botched executions over the past few years. Some states like South Carolina have shied away from executions for the obvious reason they may not be able to legally go forward. And that, of course, has implications for the death penalty more broadly, which is what states like South Carolina know. The important thing to realize about this is that the death penalty, when it was reauthorized in the late 1970s, it was reauthorized on the basis that it did not constitute cruel and unusual punishment, a violation of the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. And to a large degree, it was considered that lethal injection did not violate this because it was a quote-unquote painless form of death. However, the recent controversy over midazolam has raised numerous questions in recent years about whether or not that assumption is true. Also, an NPR study that was recently done noted that a major examination of executed prisoners noted that even previously approved lethal injection drugs that were supposed to be painless, harmless, whatever, like it's not harmless, but painless, uh, also undoubtedly gave the same simulation of drowning as the person died. So these states know that to send too many cases to court where there are disputes over lethal injection could, in fact, build up a body of evidence that could lead to the death penalty being outlawed again. So instead, they're turning to the use of the firing squad in the electric chair and hoping to execute people as something of an in-run around this lethal injection issue. 
Now, prisoners have the right to choose a method of death, and a recent execution in South Carolina was stayed because the method of death was unclear. So South Carolina is hoping that faced with a possible chemical burning at the stake, prisoners will choose the other options that they can just go ahead and proceed since no one will be challenging the execution. Whether or not this works, who knows? But it's a major effort to do something that has no deterrent effect at all, costs more than life in prison, and possibly means an innocent person could die. That's the state of South Carolina for you. In South Africa, George Bonono, deputy president of, the, of that country's Shack Dwellers Movement, the leading organization fighting for decent housing as a right, was charged with conspiring to commit murder this week, a charge that he and the movement denies and that has raised concerns across South Africa and the world of a frame-up designed to chill the movement for more and better housing for poor and working people. The Shack Dwellers movement has had leaders assassinated in the past, and a judge agreed to hold Bonono at a police station, not in nearby prison, because there are credible threats on his life, which, quite frankly, adds a Kafka-esque aspect to his being charged with conspiracy to commit murder. The charge alleges that at a public meeting, yes, a public meeting, and by the way, the charges actually have the meeting on the wrong date, but at a public meeting, that Bonono conspired with the attendees at this public meeting to murder a witness and another highly dubious murder case leveled against other movement activists. This is just obviously patently absurd. And the movement has stated there's in fact evidence of government-instigated agents playing a role in the original murder uh, that they were allegedly planning this murder at a public meeting, the witness of a murder at the public meeting of, um, that government agents were involved potentially in this original murder situation. Now, the movement whose acronym is ABM is over 80,000 strong and is at the forefront not just of demanding the right to housing, but also land occupations on unused land that build settlements uh, where people then go to live. The settlements raised on these occupied lands consist of makeshift shacks built with the labor of their own members and connected to supply lines for water and electricity without any assistance or permission from the government. Many of them are complete with communal poultries, uh, daycare centers, churches, political schools as well, where there is left ideological training that is being imparted. ABM is a huge embarrassment internationally to the ANC-led government because they have revealed to the world the total failure of said government to provide adequate housing or jobs to tens of millions of South Africans that they claim to be the leaders of. So it's notable that this charge comes just a few weeks after the president of ABM received one of the world's most prestigious human rights prizes, the Per Anger Prize. And it also comes as the ANC is embroiled in a major internal controversy over corruption. Political parties and movements around the world are speaking out against these charges, and it remains to be seen if such flimsy charges can hold up in court. But it's important to note that to some degree they may not be intended to. It's also possible they are being used as tools of harassment and disruption and also to generally blacken the name of ABM. And it certainly, at the very least, highlights the lack of commitment by the South African government to access to housing and public services that such an accusation is even brought to trial. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. 
And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 